from Zamo Digital, welcome to the SaaS Marketing Superstars Podcast with your host, Aaron Sikowski. This is the show where we uncover proven growth strategies from CMOs and marketing leaders behind some of the fastest growing SaaS companies. Hey, superstars. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Aaron Zikowski, and today I'm chatting with Stefan Hedebrandt. Stefan is the co-founder and CMO of Dream Data, a B2B attribution platform that helps connect marketing activities with revenue. Stefan is an expert in measuring a content strategy's impact on revenue pipeline. Hey, Stefan, how are you doing today? Hey, Aaron, I'm uh, I'm doing good, and uh, thanks for for having me to, to to join here. Yeah, well, thanks for joining the show. Really excited to have you. I've I've been aware of your company, Dream Data, for a long time. Um, I know you guys help B two B companies with marketing attribution, and uh, we'd love for you just to tell us a little bit more about yourself and a little bit more about the company. Yeah, I'll I'll start out by so I thought I've ever since I graduated uh, university I've been working in in B two B companies so that's somewhat 12, 13, 14 years now, mm-hmm. and it's always been in uh, in companies that has been uh, predominantly digital or like completely digital. So the flavors of what I'm going to say here today is probably, you should think about the bias of uh, always B two B always in digital companies. So I'm a little bit. Uh, tilted towards that direction but I've ever since I stopped university I've been working in uh, in marketing growth business development uh, kind of roles the last seven years or so as a as a CMO kind of uh, roles leading b2b marketing teams and uh, at my last tenure before this company I uh, I was part of this like classic journey of uh, less than 15 employees to 100 employees and zero ad spend up to around $100,000 per month in ad spend. And uh, when when you start increasing the amounts to, to that levels, you, you start thinking, hmm, okay. And the first 10,000 I put in, I had a pretty good, like the cause and effect <laughs> feeling. Whereas the, the last 10, 20,000 you put into the machine, it's a little bit, hmm, yeah, I don't know if it works or not. Uh-huh. So, so has your background been predominantly in media buying? Like were you the media buyer or just general growth? Uh, like as, as one of the things I, I've been, I've been doing. Okay. I've, I've, I would say my approach to the growth and marketing is, I don't care what the discipline is. I just need to figure it out in the case I'm in. Sometimes it's uh, SEO, sometimes it's Google ads, sometimes it's Facebook ads, sometimes it's social selling, review platforms, outbound. Okay. For me, it's very much just about figuring out something that works and then try to, to scale it as much as, uh, as you can. Anyway, long story short, uh, spend a lot of time f- trying to think about attribution uh, and then Coincidentally, I got uh, introduced to my now two co-founders of uh, of Dream Data, and they had actually been going at this problem. I came at it from a marketing problem. They came at it, at it from a, an engineering uh, side where they, in the business they were in, it's called uh, Trustpilot.com, and it's one of the biggest review platforms in the world. And they they had that question of what happens to an account from the moment it's created until the sales team close one winner deal on it. And the same kind of thinking is still kind of the, the core of what we do today is let's take any account that you deal with. Let's take any touch we know of, whether that's website, ads, calls, meetings, whatever. Let's get it all of it, all into a timeline. And then at least then you know what happened to the specific account in terms of what left behind that digital trace. And if you notice, then you have a high chance of also spotting uh, outliers, like 
things that are consistently present when you win deals or things you spend a lot of money on that never yields any deals. And uh, then you want to do more of the, the first and less of the latter. So, so you're trying to tell us then that there's more than just a first touch and a last touch that we should be paying attention to. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And I think like, uh, let me be the first to say wait, like with uh, attribution, I'm, we're really, really, really not trying to make anything up. We're more trying to say, let's look at the digital touches you have available. But very, very importantly, we're going to do this in an account-based uh, data model. So we only work with B2B companies. Mm -hmm. And it's very important that you do account-based attribution here. And what that means is really that in B2B, then you're typically trying to sell to a buying committee, a team of three, four, or five people or something like that. Mm -hmm. And the ones that typically starts the journeys and the ones that are being affected by your marketing spend they're very rarely the guys that or girls that signs the contracts five, six, seven months later. And that is a major problem if you want to spend your month, your dollars carefully, because mm -hmm. if your spend is disconnected from when the revenue comes in, then you end up operating very blindly in starting the journeys when there's no kind of money back at the, at the end of it. Right. So you're saying the, the attribution, if, if an individual clicks on an ad, you might be able to capture their, their data and the UTM tracking in the first touch yeah. within your within your CRM. But if other people then from the company then end to be end up becoming the decision makers and, and and signing the contract, there could be a disconnect in terms of the data of how did yeah. how did this organization come in in the first place? Yeah. And it's I think it's it's a much more severe problem that that people actually understand uh, i'll give you just like a simple example when we have a demo call booked on our website there's an average of four sessions that goes into to that journey towards booking a demo call and the last session that would always say or like 99 percent of the time somebody came in directly submitted a demo form and that's what is being captured also by the crm system so it says okay this account was won by somebody coming in directly uh -huh. it was Almost always the case is that it starts with some kind of marketing activity, referral or something else. Right. Then the next time it's somebody Googling your brand organically and landing on the front page. And then now the name sticks in the browser and then you go direct, direct. Mm -hmm. So, so you're only really measuring from the point where somebody submits the contact information into the form, right? And all the touch points that happened before, or potentially not even touch points, the uh, engagements that happened before would be totally discarded, even though they were critical in the person finding the platform in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> like the demo calls just don't fall down from the sky. They right. do take a path. And this is the path we're trying to, to help people understand. Mm -hmm. Now, that was just a simple journey of like booking a demo call. Then yeah. imagine how like if you do a six-figure um, B2B contact, contract, how, how many touches that you do not grasp if you don't put together this data correctly. Right. Well, as a paid ads agency for B2B, you know, I, I definitely feel like that pain <laughs> and, and marketing teams wanting to get as much credit as possible for the uh, the uh, the impact that they're making over there. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's definitely it something that, you know, almost every company that I speak to and that I work with is, is struggling with this and understanding, you know, if it, if, it, if it can't be measured by UTM, did it really happen? And obviously yeah. there's so many more touch points that happen. And, and even after, as you said, after someone submits a form and you have captured them, what additional touch points um, and engagements are they having between that point and the time that they buy that yeah. really are hard to measure. And it, and it sounds like you guys have built some great solutions to actually be able to measure that impact and hopefully do more of whatever things are, are having the biggest impact on pipeline. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. So, 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 so maybe give me an example of 
a blind spot that a company would have originally, where let's say they were running Facebook ads or LinkedIn ads or SEO, whatever the marketing you know tool or strategy might have been, they get some people in. The whole you know black box happens. No one knows what happens from the time somebody signs up for a lead form until several months later when someone closes on a deal. Where, where would be a a good use case that you guys would be able to step in and and, and help somebody? Yeah, so there's there's many places. I would say. I'll tell you a few things that comes to mind. Um, one thing is knowing the actual length of your customer journeys. And I would say 90% of what people reply you, if you ask them about how long is your customer journeys, they're actually replying from the time that they got a lead until you won the account. What we can see in our data across all our customers is that the length of time people spent anonymous researching Mm-hmm. It's typically one or one X similar to the links that they spent being identified as an account. Oh, interesting. So if you say your sales cycle is three months, it's probably more like six months, seven months, something like that. And what that means is that when you're trying to reverse engineer the marketing input you need to do to, to hit pipeline, say Q3 this year, then you need to have done your the marketing investment that is the foundation of the the revenue you're going to hit in Q3 that needs to mm-hmm. take place in, in Q1. So it matters a lot for in terms of like planning budgets, in terms of understanding when to quit experiments and when to like leave a little bit more patience in, in the things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, so just so I, I make sure I understand what you just said, because I think it's really an important point. It sounds like you're saying that the time frame from someone first discovering or becoming aware of a company online to the point that they become a lead and fill out a form on a website is one and a half times longer typically than what we think of as a sales cycle from the time they actually fill the the lead form until they actually make a buying decision. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. But, so it would sound like then, I mean, first of all, that that's that's fascinating because most of us as, as marketers, we think, oh, someone's going to see our ad, they're going to click, they're going to fill out a form, and then you know they're going to become a lead, and you know everything's going to be great off to the races with yeah. the sales process, right? Yeah. In reality, I think what what you're probably advocating for is that the, the the branding and the content and the engagement period needs to be um, something that we believe to be much stronger, I think, in, in B2B. I think obviously there are many brands that do quite a great job with that, but companies need to be investing more in that part of the marketing journey that we feel can't be measured, can't be attributed, or at least so we think. Maybe it can be, and yeah, I would like yeah, yeah. your, your, your thoughts on that. Things take a lot longer time than, than, than most people expect. Of course, it also it depends, you know. So there's, you know, you can catch people in market and they will have like that journey that pretty much correlates with what you said. Like they click an ad, mm-hmm. they convert to a demo call, and then they go into a sales process. But a lot of people, they don't have budgets right now. They don't have uh, projects that they're allowed to work on right now, but they're yeah. interested in stuff. That means that if you didn't start serving them ads on Facebook and LinkedIn, et cetera, you can get in front of the right people that where you can kind of plant a lot of seeds. And once they do get the budget or they do have time to jump on another project because people don't have time for new projects all the time. <laughs> so that means that hopefully you will be top of mind at the point of time where they actually do have this time. So as you say, like, we need to start planting these seeds earlier than we think because the point of time when they go right into Google, what they're searching for, that's the time where you want to have them type in your brand rather than uh, the competitions. Sure. So I, I guess where I'd be curious, because I mean, it's a fascinating point, you know, just the impact of 
of brand and content, you know, such a long period of time. I mean, this, most of this stuff doesn't happen direct response, click an ad, fill out a form from cold traffic and, you know, you're off to the races and sales. So I, I'd like to focus a little bit on, on that period. Do you, do you have any insights on what type of content or touch points do you recommend or do you see the data supporting that companies, the B2B companies should be engaging in, in order to warm up those audiences to ultimately get leads farther down, down the pipeline? Mm. So when you mean say content, do you mean uh, served on a... Uh, so <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you kind of, I'll clarify yeah. my question a little bit. For example, we, we recently had a debate with one of our clients where they wanted us to promote a, a PDF white paper or a report um, mm -hmm. using LinkedIn lead gen forms, yeah. right? Yeah. Lead gen ads. And, yeah. you know, they were getting, you know, $50 a lead, whatever they were getting. And, yeah. and we, we had a debate about, you know, are these ever going to turn into sales opportunities or are these just people who are downloading an ebook? And I know that's a raging debate within the, the digital marketers and, and, and the, yeah, yeah. the advertising people on, on LinkedIn. But, you know, it sounds like what you would be saying is that, that there maybe is an argument for, you know, just get these people engaging with you much sooner than they're actually ready to buy. Because, you know, my, my argument was simply, you know, just because this person is downloading some piece of content from you doesn't mean that that has any correlation to them actually being interested in, in the product or service that the company yeah. delivers, yeah. right? Um, so, so how do you think about getting people, paying for people to engage with the company with the hope that they will ultimately have some product intent down the road after some content nurturing? Yeah. I mean, it's a tough one, and I'm pretty sure everybody can pull up cases that are kind of contradicting. Um, yeah. I can speak to kind of my our own experiments with uh, offering ebooks as like you can download through a lead form on LinkedIn. And my conclusion was that there's a really long way from somebody downloading and like in just a random ebook <laughs> until they buy something for you. So yeah. I'd probably not be too set on uh, just getting people to download these ebooks because I don't think they feel like they're stepping into a sales conversation when, when they do it. Right. So, so, <laughs> so I, I guess I, I would, uh, I would count stuff that is more correlating with revenue, uh, which in my, I think uh, I counting demo calls is a much more valid uh, metric than mm -hmm. somebody downloading an ebook. Uh, so, but anyway, for each business, it's different. But I would think about what is a like a trustworthy proxy for us uh, building pipeline at some point. And what you can do is you can just take if you generated a hundred leads from this uh, from this lead ad, and look, did any of those actually arrive into the sales pipeline or not? Sure. And then you'd have your answer. Right. Right. And and I think generally we 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 see that answer. There's always going to be some outliers that 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 come through, but. Absolutely. Cost per meeting is much higher that way. Somebody's great at building, let's say, automated email flows, or they have a BDR team that then calls the lead. And there's a hundred different ways. But in general, I wouldn't like I would rather push for getting the right message to the right people and then hopefully the, seeing them come to the website and booking demo calls afterwards, where when the intent is stronger than mm -hmm. downloading an ebook that they're interested in. So so at Dream Data, how do you guys think about doing top of funnel awareness advertising to, to build that, that, uh, that audience of people, you know, we'll call them, you know, the, the dark web, dark socials for, for this yeah, time yeah. Where, where they're engaging, they might be seeing some of your stuff. You have no idea who they are. They haven't contacted your company in any way yet. Um, mm -hmm. What do you do to build that audience who ultimately hopefully turn into demo requests and pipeline down the road? 
Mm, so let me, I can uh, mention a few things we do. I think the biggest one we do is what you can determine as social selling or employee advocacy on LinkedIn. We have a, yeah. a pretty, pretty tight program on that where uh, we have seven, eight salespeople and they all, they, you, you can connect with a hundred people per week on LinkedIn. Yep. They have to exhaust those 100 uh, connects on ICPs, meaning uh -huh. like customers, people that look like normal customers. And then they have to post two to five times a week on LinkedIn as well. So like over time, you build up an audience of who's most, who's normally like the ones you sell to. And you then serve quality content in front of them just by posting uh, organically. Mm -hmm. That is a really strong uh, engine for us. I love that. And then we, uh, we, I think last year we, we were on 70 podcasts. <laughs> just 70, like yours here. Uh, yeah. Seven zero uh, last oh. year. So we try to focus very much on like having a very clearly defined ideal customer profile and then like search out wherever, where, where are these people on the internet, whether that's Slack channels, podcast, LinkedIn, et cetera. Mm -hmm. We actually do these activities without much measurement because we just know it makes sense. If it, you know, say it's just 50 people that listens to the conversation that the two of us has, but it's like, it's a super geeky specific conversation. So I think it will plant a seed uh somewhere absolutely and then the last last component is that we we do i i, I really like um the matched audience function that linkedin has where you can you can upload lists of companies mm -hmm. and then you can run ads towards people in specific functions in the company or towards specific specific job titles mm -hmm. that is kind of uh what's the military term <laughs> just bomb bombard yeah all these companies on them. like top level con uh top funnel content is there's there's no you have to download this thing or you have to book a demo it's more much more just value driven uh, uh -huh. explaining stuff like staying top of mind showing successful cases and, uh, uh -huh. so, so you've identified a, a, a matched list within linkedin ads of your target icps however that many thousands of them and you're just going to keep bombarding them with refreshing content you know every week yeah. or so like what do you guys do yeah, it's something like that, and then uh, obviously strongly like retargeting them everywhere they they go mm -hmm. on Facebook, uh, Google's Display Network, LinkedIn, etc. Mm -hmm. So on LinkedIn, I would imagine you're probably retargeting the people that engage with your videos that you're running to these these top of funnel matched audiences. Um, yeah, there's mo there's multiple things you can do. You can also you can set the company size of those that you choose to retarget. So sure. for example, we, 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 we normally want to stay above 50 employees or something like that. So we don't run ads towards people who work in companies that are less than 50 employees. And you know, there's, there's ways to save some dollars or the same with like on Facebook, you can, uh, on all the platforms, you can exclude your, the customer emails you have. So you don't spend money on retargeting right. them and so forth. Right. But this, uh, yeah, so I think any company needs to think about one, we need to address the people who are in market right now. Where do they express behavior about this? Yeah, I would say search, review platforms, maybe marketplaces of tech, the technology and something like that. But then you need to add the layer because only one or two percent of the market is going to be actively searching right now, right. So you need an engine on top of this where you get in front of continuously get in front of the right kind of people. Facebook is a good like if you know how to target on Facebook, that's a great engine for like planting a lot of seeds with a lot of people. Yeah.
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's what we do for our clients all day. It's it's funny. It, it's been one of the challenges, you know, running paid ads for B2B companies. You know, we were, our clients are typically looking for a, a, a short-term results where if we can, you know, carpet bomb, as you say, with, with, with a direct response offer, direct to a demo request or something like that, top of funnel, yeah. you know, how many leads can we get and what price? And then and obviously, you know, our, our most important, I think, you know, data is, can we tie that then back to the pipeline? How many meetings did they get on? How many opportunities and how much revenue ultimately did that drive? Yeah. But most of our clients are impatient when it comes to, okay, well, exactly what you're describing. Well, what about just building that demand slowly over time with content? And, and it's also been a challenge, I think, within the agency. One thing I found, you know, running a Facebook, LinkedIn ads agency targeting B2B and primarily SaaS clients is that most people at any given time are not in market and are not interested in hiring agency right mm. now. Unless they're in market, if I if we cold email, if we do any type of outreach, no one's interested. The response rates have always been dismal because yeah. you know, we may be perceived as a commodity, even though we think we're better at it when it comes to the B2B space, and yeah. but, but no one's going to respond. But when we put content out there, when we when we just kind of continually drip it out on LinkedIn yeah. or you know put out ebooks or whatever it might be, you know, we always have people that will come in through our, our sales pipeline and say, yeah. hey, you know, I downloaded your ebook two years ago. I was <laughs> waiting for the opportunity to work with you guys because I knew I wanted to work with you. I just wasn't ready yet. And yeah. we've heard that conversation multiple times. And it's you, I think we have to be reminded, and I think you're you're a great reminder for myself and probably many of our listeners of uh, <laughs> Do those things that seem like they're not having an impact until down the road you you suddenly see that that they're having a really big impact and it just takes a little while to, to nurture. I think just spun, we we actually put out some benchmarks last year some across our customers' journeys, our mm-hmm. customers' customer journey, and the average length uh, in those journeys was from the first touch until a deal was won was 192 days. So that means like when you're setting up Facebook ads on a like a cold audience for your clients, in in average, it's not fair of them to expect new deals before six months later. Right. Of course, then you need to come up with more trustworthy like proxies along the way so that there's some connection between we start this activity and then some metric hopefully starts going up so you don't just sit around for six months. Mm-hmm. But in reality, what you're facing is that the journey is going to be six months from we acquire a click and average until there's a customer. So so I think that's a really important point. So so, so what proxy data or metrics do you look at, or maybe the platform Dream Data helps with to be able to identify engagement that is meaningful before the point where somebody actually comes and reaches out to contact the company? So you know, anything before demo call, I don't really count. So, so you're not measuring anything that happens before that point. It, we the the technology is uh, like the the metrics that I need to make sure is at a certain level every month mm-hmm. is um, is that the, the demo calls gets booked. Uh-huh. Then, of course, we're measuring all the visitors that that arrive to a website and where they come from, uh, etc. And then there's in those benchmarks we put out, there's also different speeds in uh, different channels. So say, I think it was, if you came from a review, review platform, the, the time to become uh, pipeline was a lot faster than if you came organically from uh, LinkedIn. Sure. Cause they had intent because they're already searching on, on review. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's the way kind of, I think your podcast probably works for you as well is that you start planting some seeds and you start generating some awareness, but right. it's not like people are in market right now just by listening to to your podcast. They're probably just trying to get smarter on whatever topic that 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 the current episode is on. Right. 
Right. So, so going back to the question I asked a moment ago, then, so all the touch points and engagement that happened before somebody fills out a form, obviously you, you can't attribute that to any particular account until you know who that person is and they fill out the form. From the time that somebody fills out a form, are you able to capture and measure retroactively? Okay, now that we know who this person is, we can yeah. look back and say for the last you know 90 days, they've engaged with these you know 12 different pieces of content, 12 different touch points. And now, now that they filled out a form, we can go back and see what the journey really looked like. And then, and yes. then once you have you know a, a larger population of, of people who have filled out the form, and you've got you know a large population of people you could do that look back on, are you able to start telling a story of, of of what works? Is that how it works? Yes, that that's exactly what we do. And now I can explain the general technology, and then people can go build it themselves if they want. <laughs> so what you need to do is you need to have like a first party tracking script that stores every visit to your website. Mm-hmm. And then you need to create a unique ID for every uh, visitor on your website. Now, at this point, they're just anonymous. And then if they come back, and then you store this in a data warehouse. So every visitor, you track them and then store them and record what they did. If they then come two, three, four, five times, you just keep adding to the lock of what does this unidentified person do. Sometimes uh, we can, before they identify themselves, look them up in a reverse uh, IP uh, database. So it de-anonymize their IP. Mm-hmm. So you can say somebody from this company is here now, but that's it. As you continue to do this, then at some point they will push through a form on your website. Uh, that could be newsletters, download ebook, uh, book a demo, sign into the product. This is the point of time where you get the consent to say, now can I join who I now know who you are with what you did while you were anonymous. Mm-hmm. So you need to get the consent you... for that process? Yes. And that's the way it stays compliant with GDPR and CCPA and mm-hmm. everything like that. That the user gives you consent to actually look at what you did before. Interesting. I wouldn't have thought you needed that. So once you have this, that's when you... So that's like step one. Okay, now we know one user and his, his or her history. We then need to join the user with the account that they belong to, to plot in the, those touches into the rest of the timeline. Mm-hmm. So what we do here is we look in CRM systems, that's your Salesforce, your HubSpot, etc. If we can resolute the email with an account in there, it's done. If that doesn't work, we look at the at uh, samodigital.com or if that doesn't work, uh, we'll just let the user be until we're able to associate them with an account. And this process runs all the time. So track people anonymously, store it in the data warehouse, wait until they identify themselves, sort the, all the touches that they've now identified to an account-based timeline. Mm-hmm. And then you have not only from when they converted, but also what they did way back uh, to the first times they were on your website. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then and then would it be able then to, in aggregate, figure out, you know, these are the touch points that seem to be impactful on closing more deals or, or, or you know, people who haven't signed up, getting them to sign up, people who read this blog post or downloaded this ebook or yeah. whatever the thing might be, and then figure out, oh, this is impactful towards moving conversion. Let's try and get more people to touch this piece of content. Yes, that's when you, that's when you start applying an attribution model then. So... The, the biggest attribution problem is actually the underlying data model that needs to hold as much information about every journey as possible. Then once you have that, then it's just, you know, applying, let's say, a first touch model. It's just like giving 100% of the credit to all the first touches we know across all the accounts. 
if you then do that, then it starts amplifying certain things. That could be your Facebook campaign, your piece of content, your specific ebook or something like that. Does that make sense, Aaron? Yeah, no, it definitely does. It's something I've given a lot of a lot of thought to over the years. In fact, there was a certain point where I was thinking about building a, a similar product, and it, so it's cool to see that you guys actually went <laughs> I, and did it. I think uh, most B two B marketers have thought about. <laughs> it's, it's probably true. It's probably yeah. true. Um, awesome. I mean, I, I it's kind of got me thinking a lot of directions about both, you know. The marketing that we need to do for my agency as well as for my clients in terms of, of the stuff that can't be tracked and that's not direct response in the ads, but but reminding us how important it is to, to just get good content out there that teaches people about you know the solutions that you can provide and, and how they can think about it and provides value. Yeah, I've also completely given up about running like like of like thinking about content funnels, etc. Because like you cannot control when they think they're top of funnel or bottom funnel or <laughs> mid right. funnel or whatever. I, I I really regard it as we just need to be constantly putting out high quality content, whether that's one day that it's entertaining or one day it's uh, geeky or whatever it is. We yeah. just need to like put out quality stuff all the time so we stay top of mind with a positive impression. And then most likely when they are in market, then they they will come to us. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you you, you can hope that people go through the, the content the way you want them to, but in reality, it's yeah. almost never the way that it works. <laughs> like some, then they want to see pricing, but then they want to consume like a top of funnel piece of content. And yeah, it's yeah, that's <laughs> an, it's how I often look at a product. I mean, I, I went to Dream Data today, and you know, I got a quick quick look at what you guys did. And first thing I did is, well, let's go check out the pricing and figure out if this thing's even in budget for, you know, what we or our clients could afford. Okay, great. Yeah. Now I know what your pricing is generally. So now let's go and start consuming the rest of the stuff and, and yeah. understand if, if this is the right, the right solution. So I think it's how we buy. And then, you know, we'll come back in a couple months and make a decision. Yeah. I mean, then in terms of content, then I would uh, typically also start forcing people to think about who's the buying committee that you're trying to sell to. And then like if there's three to five roles involved in it and you only cover one of the roles really well, then you should probably start thinking about filling the buckets of what are the other people's asking, particularly when you sell software when it will at a certain price point, mm -hmm. you need convincing like a champion that says, I like this product is you know, it's only the first step because Maybe there's a RevOps person we need to convince. Maybe there's a CFO. Maybe there's a data processing responsible that we yeah. need to convince. And if you, your website or content, your ads only cater to one of those, then it's, there's, it's very hard to actually sell internally that they should acquire your uh, solution. That's a really insightful point. Um, it makes a lot of sense. I guess my next question would be, so how do you do it? I mean, I, I could probably brainstorm, but it sounds like you maybe have a solution in mind already. If if you've engaged the marketer, they're thinking about the product, you're retargeting them because they've watched your videos or clicked to your website. How do you then take that and say, there's probably a conversation going on within this organization with these other functions or job titles. How do we retarget those people with content now that's that's appropriate for, for their, their roles? I think part of it needs to be handled by the salesperson that speaks to the the, the lead or okay. the account. And then like who's typically involved in this buying process. Okay, these people are. And then hopefully you can equip the salesperson then with two or three links for each of those people that they can forward to them, whether it's yeah. a, a business case. Yeah, yeah, something like that. 
Uh, besides that, I would say uh, I'm I've just really become a big fan of of LinkedIn lately. So it's it is possible to do like account based and role based retargeting. So typically, a, a product cannot at least our product can speak across marketing, sales, and rev ops. So mm-hmm. you want to be serving one piece of content to the salespeople with one messaging there, whereas the marketers need to probably hear it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. So you would create like a, a custom matched audience for all of the the accounts that you're working on. So now you know you're targeting the company, and then you could do yeah. all the different functions within that company that you want to reach each one with its own message that's that's function specific. And I have to admit, we actually not, we're not doing this really perfectly, Aaron. But it's in theory, hard. I mean, that's I, what the it's a theoretical that would be doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Fair enough. Um, okay. Awesome. Um, I, I think we've covered a lot. I think um, you've kind of got me thinking about a lot of great ideas as, as we're thinking about, you know, ramping up some new marketing activities for, like I said, for myself, for my agency and for, for our clients. Um, so I, I appreciate the insights. Um, let's jump into, we've got a, a quick lightning round with a couple quick questions with a few quick answers, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up because I think it's been a great, great interview so far. <laughs> All right, Aaron. So first question, um, what's your family situation? Are you single, married, kids? uh have a girlfriend and two kids okay so with a business and them and then it's uh there's not a lot of uh, extra time at the moment you're a busy guy i can relate yeah. uh it's great um what book would you recommend for our listeners to read be it a a, a fiction non-fiction business it's uh i'm gonna sound like a cliche now but i i just reread uh, the art of war uh with sun tzu and it's like a like 2000 year old military strategy book that is actually quite helpful in a in a lot of situations so it's like a small paperback and if you take your time you can actually extract a lot of value out of it very cool yeah i've, I've heard people recommend that book recently as well other places um, what is your favorite marketing or productivity tool to use other than your own dream data? Oh, uh, that would probably productivity then what is that? Okay. So I'll say three things. I would say, uh, Google apps or anything there. I would okay. say, uh, LinkedIn. And then I would say, uh, high touch, high touch. It's a reverse ETL platform where you can kind of put data from one place to another. So what you can do if you've defined really good audiences in your data warehouse, say everybody who reached sales qualified lead, then you mm-hmm. can push that into Facebook or LinkedIn and retarget the matter. Very cool. I'm going to have to look that up. I don't know that one. Uh, who's your favorite marketing or business leader that you're learning from these days? Uh, my, there's plenty, but uh, I would, I'm going to go with, uh, I think it was one of the gong fillers. Uh, I think Uther CMO or something like that. He Udi. said like Udi, I forgot yeah, asking. Yeah, that different is better than better. That one has really uh, stuck with me. Uh, different is better time. than better. That, that's that's really I don't know if it was he, but I saw it from him. And I, I really I, I, like if you just do this like feature, 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 feature. Yeah. Then like it's an endless competition. But if you stand out and it's different, then like you build a whole different brand affinity and yeah. Then people are gonna go say, "Who fucking cares whether you have this feature, or this feature?" Um, right. Well, I, th- I think so that's t- brand, right? You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Brand is so differentiation, really, not based on product necessarily. Yeah. So, so we, I really try to let our employees have a lot of fun and experiment with stuff, and don't be too corporate, and you know, just see what happens. Try stuff out. I love that. Um, and the last question: um, What's your favorite online community that you're a part of? 
or, or where are you getting information from these days to help you do your job better? Uh, I have to say all the people I'm connected with on LinkedIn. I think there's this really that's really become this culture of people actually they like they try to impress each other in a good way. So they write better and better and better LinkedIn posts. So you can really build a little bubble of like high quality uh, content creators on uh, on LinkedIn. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. And uh, I was checking out your LinkedIn profile uh, just this morning, preparing for this this interview. And uh, I would definitely vouch that you seem to be part of that competition because you've been putting out some great <laughs> content. So I definitely recommend that everybody go check out Stefan on, on LinkedIn That'd and connect nice. with him, yeah. follow his content. Uh, you'll learn a lot, I promise. Definitely about uh, attribution marketing. Um, anyways, thank you, Stefan. It's been a great episode. Really appreciate your time and all the, uh, the knowledge and experience you shared with us. And um, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate the chance, uh, Aaron. And if anybody want to ask me a question, they can just uh, send me a DM on, on, uh, on LinkedIn. The SaaS Marketing Superstars podcast is brought to you by Xamo Digital Marketing. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Thanks again.